Hey, this is Beth Nelson. I serve as the lead pastor at Prairie Heights Community Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for listening today. I hope this motivates you. I hope it builds your faith and helps you connect with Christ and a church family at Prairie Heights. Enjoy the message. Hey, good morning. My name is Doug. I get the privilege of working here at Prairie Heights. And like Alex said, it seems like it's been forever since we've been together. Two weeks ago, we had Serve Sunday. Last week, we were online. And one of the things we were hoping is that by being online and not necessarily being here on Sunday, it gave you some time and some freedom to be with your friends and family and and take a little bit of a break as we celebrated the independence of our country. And it was fun. It was fun to see all the different ways that people did it. I think there's there's a couple, uh, Andy and Renee, and how they celebrated their 4th of July. I don't think they could have done it any better. I mean, it turned out pretty good for me in that space. That was an awesome picture. And as I was with my family and we were celebrating, celebrating the holiday, we got together, we did some things that we liked, we played some games, we ate some food. I don't know about any of you, but in my house, I have a long-standing $20 budget for fireworks. So we have as much fun as we can. And I don't know if anybody else is gonna recognize what you're gonna see on the screen right now. But in my house, we buy the tank. Somebody over there does that too. And we just line them up and see if we can catch the other one on fire. But I, I, yeah, they're, they're, I'm 12 in many ways. I'm 12 in many ways. But as I was spending time with my family, it got me to think about what God's been putting on my heart and what I wanted to share with you today. And I want to talk a little bit about my immediate family. I have a wife, her name is Jennifer, and then I have four kids. I got three girls, they're 22, 20, and 17. And then I have an 11-year-old son, his name is Marshall, and I'm gonna tell you right now who my favorite is. So some of you that are parents go, wait, you can't pick your favorite, you don't, you don't do that. And yes, I got some feedback after the first service this morning. But my favorite right now, my favorite is my son, Marshall. He's only 11. He's, by far, he's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, you can let the older girls know that. But he's my favorite because he's the only one out of the four who I don't have to worry about at any given moment. They're going to bring somebody home with them that's going to be at my 4th of July forever. <laughs> so my 22-year-old, her name is Haley. And this is a, she's got a boyfriend. His name is Nathan. Uh, This is a fantastic picture of him, makes my heart happy. And to say thank you to all of those military people that serve our country and serve us and give us the freedoms that we have today. But here's the thing about Nathan. Nathan didn't pick me. He picked Haley. And guess what? I didn't pick Nathan. I picked Haley. You know, and, and the other two, they can, they can walk through the door at any moment with the person that they're going to spend the rest of their life with and that they're going to marry and is going to be at every single one of my 4th of July gatherings until I die. We're in a series called Family Vacation, and it's season three. This is the third summer that we've done it. It'll be the last summer that we've done it because we want to invest in families and, and, and we want to help families be better families and tighter families and and stronger families. Before we get too much further, I want to define family because family today, it's got a broader definition 
than it ever has before. So I jumped out there and I started doing research on different types of families and my ex-friend Google did not help me out. And I say ex-friend because I asked the question about, hey, what are different types of families? And all these things showed up. It's July, keep in mind, all these things showed up. It triggered something. I mean, 12 types of families, 11 types of families, 10 types of families. It's July, I'm not looking for my partridge in a pear tree yet. Christmas will be here soon enough. But I, I wanna start with the definition of family because I would bet that when I started talking about this series is about families and I mentioned the word family, there's at least one person in the room that just had the feelings come up. Because family, it's not always great. It's not always easy. It can be pretty messy. And I know people sometimes cringe when they think about their family and their history with their family. And I just want to say at the very beginning, family, there's an idea that there's this perfect family out there. It doesn't exist. There's no such thing. Family is messy. Sometimes you don't get to choose who's in your family. Sometimes you do. I mean, there's all sorts of different things that come together to define family. So I went to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary to pull out the definition of family. And I gotta tell you, I'm leaving some out. There are eight or nine different parts of family. So for example, they define family as a unit of a crime syndicate, such as the mafia operating within a geographical area. We, we don't need to go into that definition of, of family today. But there are four parts of the definition in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary that I wanna share with you. So the first one is family, the basic unit in society traditionally consisting of two parents rearing their family. Also, any of various social units differing from that, but regarded as equivalent to the traditional family. So single parent families, blended families, there's all sorts of different kinds of families out there. The second definition that the dictionary gives us is a group of individuals living under one roof and usually under one head within that roof. The third one, I don't know if any of you have tried to track down your ancestry, ancestry.com. I was sitting with a couple guys and they were eyeball deep in it and having fun. But family can be designed as a, des described as a group of persons of common ancestry. And then the fourth one I wanna make sure that we get to today and that's in your mind as well, is a group of people united by certain convictions or a common affiliation. All of those are accurate definitions of family today. And I think all of us can see us fitting in one of those and maybe more, more than one of those. All of us are part of a family in some form or fashion. And I just went to the Urban Dictionary just for fun to make sure we've got all the definitions of family. And I liked this one. So a group of people, usually blood, but doesn't have to be, who generally love, trust, care about, and look out for each other. Not to be mistaken with the household that hates each other. Because we know those are out there too. And I just want that to all be on the table today because families look together or look different, but they live together in some, some way. And so now that we've got a common definition of family, you're ready to know what Prairie Heights wants for you out of this series and wants for you out of today. It's to dive in and really understand the character traits of, of a family, of a family that sticks together and a family that stays together. 
Last week online, Beth, she kicked off our series talking about a wholeness with God. She taught us how important it was to to be well and is, not was, that's past tense, how important it is to to be whole with Jesus. Because when we're, we're there and we're pursuing Jesus and we're moving towards him, we live a little bit more like him and we show up a little bit more like him for our family. So showing up for for our family like Jesus, what does that mean? It means living out the character traits about families who stick together and have strong relationships. And there are things like trust and unity, honesty, communication, commitment, all the easy things, right? Those are all hard things, yeah. Somebody laughed back there. And today, what I wanna really share with you is is what Jesus has shown us and what he's told us. Because a family is only as strong as its trust. It's trust or bust in your family unit. Let me say it again. A family is only as strong as its trust. Beth nailed it last week when she started talking about the success of a family begins with that relationship and that that wholeness of Jesus. Because if you think about it, and you think about building something, if you've ever built something, if you've ever built a structure, and I'm gonna use a stone structure today. If you've ever built a stone structure, you put the first stone down and everything else is built off of that. And the first thing, the first thing in our lives that needs to get put down is that relationship with Jesus. Paul, in the book of Ephesians, in chapter two, verse 20, he tells us, It's built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become the holy temple in the Lord. Jesus is the cornerstone. And when you have Jesus as the cornerstone in your trust, that's your your first stone that you're putting down and you're building off of that, I'd contend that the the second stone you put down, it's trust. Because once we make Jesus our cornerstone, we also have to face the everyday challenge of trusting Jesus, having faith in Jesus. The same thing's true in our family. And I know as I'm talking about trust, I know we're all probably thinking a little bit different definition of trust. I'd also predict many of us are thinking about a time when our trust got broken because it's happened to every single one of us. There's no doubt about that. So as we dive into this topic of trust, let's go back to the Merriam-Webster dictionary and get on the same page with the definition. So the dictionary defines it as, trust is the assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something. The assured reliance. I have an assured reliance that every morning when I wake up, the sun is gonna come up. I have an assured reliance that when I set my alarm, it's gonna go off the next morning. I trust those things. So then assured reliance, a confidence that something is gonna happen, that a behavior is gonna happen, that's what trust is. And one of the mistakes with trust that we all make is we often only think of trust as a feeling. Oh, I feel like I trust that person. I feel like I trust that person. 
For trust to be a foundation and for it to be a foundation in our family, it's got to be more than a feeling. It's got to be a feeling that we can prove, that's solid and observable and that we can measure. Otherwise, it is just a feeling and it's going to be different every single time. So let's think about trust and let's think about what trust is in a person. So let's take my wife and let's just think about a painting project in my house. We're gonna, we're gonna paint our living room. She trusts me to paint the middle of the walls. She doesn't trust me to paint the edges and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. My wife, she trusts me to put the laundry basket in my closet. She does not trust me to put my dirty clothes in it all the time. I mean, it's all around it. If I took a picture of it this morning, it's all, it's all around it. You know, and those are, those are some tangible things. Uh, but let's go a little deeper. My wife, she trusts that I love my kids and I care about my kids. She doesn't always trust how I'm going to interact with my kids when they do something I don't like. Trust. It's a huge part. It's a huge part of our relationships. And another thing with trust where we make mistakes is sometimes we think because someone has a skill at something, we can trust their character and vice versa. If they have great character, we think we can trust their skill. They're two separate things. I mean, just think about it. I'm a huge sports guy. And how many professional sports athletes are spokesmen and advertising different products because we supposedly trust them, but their personal lives are falling apart. The character isn't there. Happens all the time. Skill, trusting in a skill is different than trusting in a character and the character of a person. And we've got to recognize those things. So now that we know that trust isn't just a feeling and that it should be measurable and observable. Let's look at different ways we can build trust in our family. So when I was getting ready for today, and I've been preparing for, for a while for this, I started thinking about Jesus. And I'll tell you right now where I'm at in my, in my journey with, with Jesus is I've spent a lot of time in the New Testament in the first four books. So the New Testament, the Bible, it's got the Old Testament, it's got the New Testament. And the first four books of the New Testament is about Jesus' life on earth. And one of the things that's widely accepted across the world today is that a couple thousand years ago, Jesus lived and he walked on, on, on earth. And people can argue all they want about what he did and all the different things, but it's pretty widely accepted he walked on earth. And the reason why I've been spending so much time in, in the first four books of the New Testament because those first four books are written by four guys, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they're, they're historical accounts of what Jesus did while he was here on earth. Because Jesus actually lived on earth, and I'm extremely interested in wanting to learn more about what did that look like? What was that? And so that's, that's how I'm thinking, and that's what's going through my mind as I'm thinking about, hey, Jesus, trust, how, how do, families, how, how does this all go together? And, and what... What did I think that Jesus did while he was here on earth that built trust? So we're going to dive into, into three things. The first thing, the very first thing that went through my mind and think about how did Jesus build trust when he was here? Jesus was fantastic at giving clear expectations. 
You weren't going to misunderstand all of the things that, that Jesus taught us, because Jesus taught us a lot. And I love the duality of what I'm going to share with you this morning, because there, there's things that Jesus taught us, and then there's also the opportunity to learn about how he taught us those things. And that's why I always encourage people, hey, read the Bible. You're gonna, there is so much to learn, and it's worth every minute that you spend reading it. So pick it up and read it, even if it's only for a minute a day. Just get in the habit of reading the Bible. But we're going to go to the book of Matthew. And Matthew is, is writing down what's happening. And somebody asked Jesus this, this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Okay, you got to work hard to misinterpret that. I mean, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with everything you've got, love God. Nobody, when they hear that, nobody's not understanding what it says. Our minds go to, ooh, that's hard. How are we gonna do that? Do I really wanna do that? Man, that's a big ask. It's not because we don't understand what Jesus is saying. And then he follows up and says, this is the first and greatest commandment. This is it. This is the most important one. This is the big enchilada. This is it. And then he comes back with, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So back in that time, the context of the word neighbor was everybody that wasn't you. So he's saying, love everybody that's not you and love them like you'd love yourself. So you think about the clarity that Jesus provided right there. No, no room for interpretation. We all understand what he's telling us to do. The question is, do we want to do it? Do we want to do it? You aren't going to find an answer to a question that's more clear. And when we communicate, I'm lumping you in with me. Yep, I just pulled you in, into my messiness. When we communicate, we don't always have the clarity we think we, think we have. I mean, check out this example. Do you guys think you can write down some instructions and teach me how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Yeah. Step one, get two pieces of bread out. Got them. Get a butter knife and get some PB. Take one piece of bread, spread it around with the butter knife. No, Dad, with the peanut butter. I'm just doing what it says. It says, take one piece of bread, spread it around with the, bu with the butter knife. Get some jelly, rub it on the other half of the bread. No, Dad, open the jelly. It doesn't say to do that. Put the breads together on top of each other. Take a big bite. This doesn't taste like a peanut butter really Spread it around with the butter knife. I also love the kid that he had to taste the, the jelly when he opened it up. Just rub it around with the butter knife and then rub the jelly on the bread. You know, to the kid, it seems so crystal clear. But then when his dad follows the instructions, it's a fantastic way to build trust is to give clear expectations. We saw how Jesus did it. We saw how it didn't happen in that video right now. 
It's a little bit more than just spreading it around with the butter knife. It's one of those lessons about creating clear expectations. A second way that Jesus developed trust was he met people where they were. For me, this is one of the most vivid things that I've read in, in the New Testament in those first four books. I don't know why it sticks out to me so strongly, but I, I can almost picture it, almost, almost like I'm there. In Jesus, he met people where they were. And I think about it, and I think about when Jesus invited people to follow him, he was physically where the people were at. Jesus invited this guy, Matthew, a tax collector, to follow him. And he didn't send a messenger or a note and say, hey, meet me in the coffee shop. Jesus was right where Matthew was working. And he invited him to follow me. And Jesus did it again with Peter and the other fishermen. He was down at the lake by the boats, walking along the shore. And he invited him and said, hey, follow me. And I think that probably resonates so strongly with me is because Jesus was right there and he invited him. And I've had that feeling that Jesus invited me to follow him as well. And it wasn't just when he was inviting people to follow him. I mean, you think about Jesus when he met the Samaritan woman at the well, if you've read that out of the Bible, he met her at the well where she was. She didn't come to where he was. It was where she went every single day. Jesus went there. Jesus went to Lazarus' home. Time and time again, when you pick up the Bible and you start to read about the life of Jesus and what he did while he was on earth is he went physically to where people were at. And I think we have the opportunity to do that. Too often, though, we expect people to meet us where we are. And that, that's not as strong of a trust builder. I'm not talking about showing up when the brats are coming off the grill. I'm not talking about showing up when you've been invited to show up. I'm talking about showing up and being there physically when people need you, even when you haven't been invited. Thoughts that go through my mind are uh, when my wife comes home from the grocery store and I hear the car pull up, or in reality, I hear the dog run to the door because he's so excited to see her. And I can either let her carry in the groceries or wait till she asks, or I can get up and I can go out and help carrying the groceries. I experienced it a couple weeks ago. My neighbor was setting up this giant tent in their front yard for their kids' graduation. And I'm thinking there's three of them. There's this giant tent. And I could have either just sat back and watched all the bloopers that were going to come out of that, or I could get off my, my seat on my front porch and walk across the street and offer to help. I think that's a huge thing, is to meet people where they're at because they're not always gonna ask for help. And it's gonna start to build trust when you physically show up. You know, when we talk about meeting people where they're at, Jesus did it again, more than just being there physically. We're gonna go back into, the, into those first four books. We're gonna go to the book of Luke. It's the third book of the Bible. And we're gonna talk about a piece of Jesus' life where, where he wanted to go across the, the lake in a boat. And as Luke writes this account down, you know, Luke is a doctor. I'm always kind of interested in all the details. So Luke is a doctor, and he starts to document it. So we're going to go to Luke, chapter 8, verse 22. One day Jesus said to the disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. Jesus was tired. He fell asleep. 
A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Now just imagine, you've had a hard day at work or you've done something and you're tired and you take a nap and then somebody comes and wakes you up. What kind of mood are you going to be in? What's that going to feel like? So Jesus, he got up and he rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where's your faith? He asked his disciples. The duality of it is you can hear him saying, don't you trust me? I'm in the boat with you. Do you think I'm going to let myself die? You know, where's your trust in me? That's one thing and one way to look at this. But if you look at the other thing that Jesus did was the disciples, they were worried. They needed help. And even though Jesus was probably a little crabby after getting woken up for a note from a nap, what's the first thing he did? He helped the disciples. He met them where they were. And then he challenged them. How often, how often does somebody need our help? And before we help them, we have to tell them what they did wrong, how they could have done it better, the mistakes that they made. I mean, I don't know about you. You might have gotten this lecture from your parents. I definitely have given it to my kids. But just think about that. Do you meet them where they're at? Do you help them first? Or do you tell them all the things that they did wrong? Jesus was fantastic about meeting people where they're at. About a month ago, I, I saw a thing and I was reading it and it really resonated with me. And it was simple. It was more for parents. And it said, be the parent your kid wants to call when they're in trouble, not the parent they have to call. I got arrested once and I had to call my parents. And I wish that I'd wanted to call my parents because I knew they were going to help me. But I'm thinking, oh, what's my dad going to say to me? And I want to aspire to be a parent, a dad, somebody, a, a person in my family that when people are in trouble, they call because they want to because they know I'm going to help them. I'm not just going to lecture them. And I'm not going to beat them up for the decisions that they made. So that's the first two things that, that Jesus did that I think we can learn to, to do and how to develop trust. And it was give clear expectations. It was to meet people where they were at. And the third one, Jesus was really good at keeping his word. He was really good at doing what he said he was going to do. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've certainly said I'm going to do something and then I didn't do it. What does that do for trust? And it's not always that, hey, I just didn't want to say no. I did have the best intentions, but something got away from me. I've told my kid, hey, yep, when I get home, we'll play catch. I get home from work late. Told my kid, hey, yeah, we'll watch a movie tonight. Then I fell asleep on the couch. That doesn't build trust. It breaks trust. You get it. We don't need to go any further with that one. We all understand. We all understand about trust. We all understand about keeping our word, that if we don't keep our word, we're not, we're not going to have trust. I mean, there's those three things, these three things that Jesus did as he was teaching us these three things that Jesus did that helped build our trust in him, he gave clear expectations. He met people where they were, and he was really good at keeping his word. And the challenge, the challenge for you and me is, can you take a minute 
Can you take an extra minute, an extra moment, and be a little bit more clear when you're communicating with people in your family and when you're asking them to do things or you have an expectation? It, it can be as simple as, it's really helpful to me when my wife gives me a deadline. Hey, Doug, I want the garage clean before dinner on Saturday night. And then it works with me, so I copy it with my kids and say, hey, I need the dishwasher emptied by 11 a.m. tomorrow morning. It's a clear expectation. They can't misunderstand it. They can't misinterpret it. Can you flip the script? Can you flip the script? Because here's the thing about family. They're the people that we know the best, the people that we spend the most time with, the people who are the most comfortable around. And so sometimes, sometimes we're a little more mean. Sometimes we fall into the trap of having it be about me and not about them. Can you flip the script and have the mindset of, hey, I'm going to meet them where they're at instead of expecting them to meet me where I'm at? Just once a day. Just try it once a day. And maybe it's just biting your tongue just a little bit before you say yes to something and process, can I actually do that? I know I want to, but can I? Don't just answer because you have the feeling that you want to. Know that you can. Because here's the thing. You've had trust broken with you. You've broken trust with people going to happen again because we're not perfect. But can you get better at it? Can you make a commitment to get better at it? And that's the last thing I want to talk with you a little bit about today. Because we do all have that in common where we've had trust broken. And we've broken trust. Every single one of us. And the bad news is it's going to happen again. So you've got some choices. You can just not trust. Is that any way to live though? To not trust? What are you going to do when you break trust or when somebody breaks trust with you? I mean, Jesus, just think about him. He had his trust broken. I mean, Peter, one of his best friends, one of his inner circle guys, promised him that he wouldn't deny him. That he'd, He said, I'd die for you. Within 12 hours, Peter's denying he even knew Jesus. I mean, just think about Jesus. He got crucified. These guys nailed him to the cross. What do you think that did for his trust for those guys? Let's go back to Luke, chapter 23. Then they came to a place called the Skull. They crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Then they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. So think about, think about Jesus. He demonstrates it right there, how important forgiveness is. He's living it out. He's getting nailed to the cross, and he's forgiving them. And then take it to a whole nother level, and just think about Jesus forgave everybody in the world for all the bad things we've done, even before we've asked for it. Just think about that one. How important is this to tell us that forgiveness is? 
And I, I just want to say, you know, if you've got questions, you're thinking about, hey, that forgiveness that Jesus gave me, if you want to talk about that, know more about that, go up in the loft. It's just upstairs after service. Cody and Prairie Heights Connect have a conversation with you about it so you can better understand it if it's something you want to know more about or something you're struggling with. But Jesus, he demonstrated to us how important forgiveness is. Now, I'm pretty, I'm pretty fortunate. I'm surrounded by a bunch of people that like to learn. I mean, my 11-year-old, my, my favorite son, he loves to learn how to play Fortnite. I'm not always sure that's a good one. Uh, on the other end of the extreme, my wife is a learner, and she joined a book study. So they're reading this book, and it's by Dr. Henry Cloud. It's called Trust. And my ears perked up because I, I've been fortunate enough to read several of his books uh, because he's a clinical psychologist. He's also a best-selling author. I've also gotten to hear him speak. So when I heard she was in this book study, my ears kind of perked up, and, and I picked up the book, and then I ended up reading most of the book, way more than I intended to. But in the book, there is a whole section, a whole section on repairing trust. In fact, for those of you that like to count things, 27% of the book, 27% of the book, more than a quarter of the book is on repairing trust. It tells you how important repairing trust is. And I want to share a few things with you that came out of that book. We're going to go to chapter 14. I know that's pretty specific. Dr. Cloud writes, repairing trust is a process. And just like any process, if you leave something out, it might not turn out quite right. I got to go fishing yesterday with my son, Marshall. We were in a, getting in a boat, and the guy we were going with was talking about how he forgot to put the plug in the day before. And for whatever reason, that, that just sewed things together for me. Because just like a boat, you don't put the plug in, you're going to put it in the water, and eventually you're going to feel it. The only question is, is how much is it going to hurt? Because all that water is coming in in, in this little hole, and eventually it's going to get you. And trust, it's just like that. If you leave out some of the parts of the process of repairing trust, it's going to be like the boat. You're going to feel it at some point. So when you, when you think about trust and you think about what you need to do, Forgiveness is that first step. And oftentimes, we think about when someone's broken our trust, we forgive that person, and it's a gift we give that person. And Dr. Cloud, he challenges us to, to think about it a little bit differently. And he writes this, but forgiveness is also a gift you give yourself. And I want you to see the value it has for you to hold on to an injury and to nurse anger and bitterness. It's to allow cancer to grow in your heart, your mind, and your soul. It will kill you physically and otherwise. To start to repair, you've got to forgive. And it's not an easy thing to do. So how do we do it? Because we've all been betrayed We've all been betrayed on the little level of somebody showing up 15 minutes late. We've all been betrayed probably by somebody not showing up at all. We've all experienced it. So the first thing you need to do is you got to feel the feelings. Acknowledge. Acknowledge that it hurt. Acknowledge, acknowledge the pain. Because like I said earlier, you can acknowledge it 
Or you can ignore it happened and put it in a shelf and compartmentalize it. And that's going to show up like when you forgot you put, didn't put the plug in the boat. And you're going to feel it. But you've got to feel the feelings. And then you've got to take time to move beyond the pain. Because when you hit that fork in the road of whether you're going to feel the feelings or whether you're going to compartmentalize it, if you compartmentalize it, it's just going to ferment and fester and get worse and worse, and it's really going to show up big somewhere else. But when you feel the feelings, and then you take the time to move beyond the pain, you're going to start, you're going to, start to heal. And then you need to forgive the person, not as a gift to them, but as a gift to yourself. got to forgive and move forward. When I say forgive for a broken trust, I'm not saying you need to trust that person again. I'm just saying when you forgive them, it opens the door to your healing and for you to make the decision whether you want to trust them again. It opens that door. Hey, I challenged you earlier. I challenged you earlier to pick one of those three things. Something to strive to be consistent in. To pick it and do it every day. It's to give clear expectations. To meet people where they're at. It's to keep your word. Pick one of those and do it every day. And in a year, it'll be amazing how different, how different your relationships are. How much stronger your relationships are in your family. Because you've built that trust. I'm the same. I'll tell you right now. I, in front of all of you, I, my goal and the one I picked to try and meet people where they're at in how I interact with my kids when they do something I don't like. To not have that tone of voice or perhaps even yell. To try and control that and try, try and manage that. Because I know when we think about families, that second stone, the first one, the cornerstone of Jesus, the second one is trust. And I want to have stronger trust so I have a stronger family. Because when it comes to your family, it's trust or bust. Let me say a prayer for us all today. God, thank you for today. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to come together as a church family, a group of people that have some alike beliefs and convictions. God, I just ask that you open all our hearts and our minds and our eyes to, to the things we can do to build trust with our families, the people that we love, and that you give us you give us that inspiration, that motivation to actually not just think about it, but to carry it out and do it. God, in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. A special thanks to those of you who give generously to Prairie Heights. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit prairieheights.com give for more information. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, or even take a screenshot and share it on your social media and tag us at Prairie Heights. Thank you for listening.